Why is Australia's Prime Minister election result a big deal? And what did the HSBC head say to get himself suspended? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Becosphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and US-based climate news. I'm Becky Hogue, a science writer. Today is Tuesday, May 24th. Let's jump right into the news you need to start your day. Let's start with some climate events. Hundreds have evacuated in the South African coastal province of KwaZulu-Natal after heavy rains flooded the area. The area is still recovering from record floods last month, which killed almost 500 people. Over to Europe, I mentioned last week that Spain will likely surpass heat records for the month of May, like Italy did last week. And sure enough, it has. Hot, dry winds from Africa brought over 107 degrees Fahrenheit, or 41.8 degrees Celsius temperatures, to southern Spain, which is 10 to 15 degrees Celsius hotter than average for this time of year. Spain now experiences up to 30 more days that exceed 86 degrees Fahrenheit or 30 degrees Celsius than it did 60 years ago. Spain and France are warming faster than the global average, with Spain already being 1.8 degrees Celsius warmer than pre-industrial levels and France being 2 degrees Celsius warmer than pre-industrial levels. France also posted its 38th consecutive day of above-average heat, with experts expecting this May to be declared the hottest in the country's record. This heat wave is hurting France's wheat production, and France is the largest grain producer in the EU. This is not good timing on top of the world's breadbaskets fighting and India recently closing its wheat exports due to flooding and heat waves. A clash of hot and cold air over northern Europe spurred several thunderstorms in Germany on Friday and three tornadoes touched down, one injuring 43 people. Other parts of Germany saw some record temperatures for May as well, with the south reaching over 86 degrees Fahrenheit or 30 degrees Celsius. Morocco also reported its highest temperature for May at 114.3 degrees Fahrenheit. And the mid-Atlantic and northeastern parts of the United States experienced heat as well this weekend, reaching temperatures 20 to 30 degrees Fahrenheit above average for May. Washington broke its record, reaching 96 degrees Fahrenheit or 35.5 degrees Celsius, and Boston, Massachusetts hit 93 degrees Fahrenheit or 34 degrees Celsius. A runner at a Boston half marathon died, and six other runners were hospitalized due to the heat and high humidity. Extreme heat has prompted the U.S. Forest Service to suspend planned burns for fear of starting another fire. Almost two months ago now, the New Mexico fire that's still raging on began as a little prescribed burn caught up in the wind. Prescribed burns are a useful tool for preventing wildfires, but can go rogue in current conditions. Now on to a climate study. The DeLaureate Center for Sustainable Progress estimates that our current trajectory towards 3 degrees Celsius of warming above pre-industrial levels will take $178 trillion out of the world's economic growth by 2071. The report stated that the Asia-Pacific region will take the biggest GDP hit. Their numbers are based on future productivity and economic output and growth across industries and regions. In contrast, the study finds that keeping warming below 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels would see an expansion of $43 trillion in the same time period. 
The paper does recognize that upfront costs will be more prominent now and may outweigh short-term benefits, but they'll be made up for in the future. Let's look at some climate victories now. Australia has a new prime minister in a win for the climate. Anthony Albanese ran under the center-left Labour Party and says he recognizes that climate change is a key issue for voters. I mean, how could it not be with the deadly bushfires and now floods over the recent years? Albanese has signaled that he will adopt more ambitious emissions targets, but has refused to say he'll phase out coal production or close mines. He will be sworn in on Monday. Now it's up to the parliamentary election results to determine how much power pro-climate politicians will have to work with. It's looking positive for the Labour Party as well as the Green and Teal independent parties, so I'll keep you posted. Over to the private sector, HSBC suspended its head of responsible spending after he showed his true colors during a presentation in London. Well, for starters, Stuart Clark's presentation was called Why Investors Need Not Worry About Climate Risk. During the presentation, he called climate crisis warnings by the United Nations and the Bank of England as, quote, unsubstantiated, shrill, partisan, self-serving, apocalyptic warnings that are always wrong. Okay. He also made light of flood risks and complained about having to think about something, quote, 20 to 30 years away. HSBC said they're suspending him to conduct an internal review. Clerk had worked in that head position since last July. Climate activists welcome the suspension, but want answers from HSBC about how well Clerk's views were known. Is this a systemic problem in the company? Meanwhile, some industry sources say that a photovoltaic partnership between the European Union and China is looking likely, as the EU looks to up its solar energy capacity. I talked yesterday about how part of the EU's climate plan, called Repower EU, is to require solar panels for all new buildings. That's just one aspect of the project. The EU wants to double solar capacity by 2025 and reach 600 gigawatts of solar capacity by 2030. Well, last year, China exported 98.5 gigawatts of solar modules, which was a 25% increase from 2020. So with this partnership, I'd say they're bound for another increase. Just to give a little update on China buying Russian fossil fuels, China spent over $6 billion on Russian oil, gas, and coal last month, even though demand had slowed due to the COVID lockdown there. That's a 75% increase compared to last April. Okay, anyways, back to the climate victories, though. In a David and Goliath scenario, a German farmer is suing Volkswagen, which is the second largest car manufacturer in the world, over the damage his family's business has experienced from climate change. He is backed by Greenpeace. The farmer says that Volkswagen is responsible for the warming and wants the car company to stop making gas-powered cars by 2030. The farmer made similar demands to Volkswagen last year, and his request was denied. This is one of several climate change legal cases in Germany Greenpeace is backing, and they've gotten mixed results. Some got dismissed, but one made it to the country's top court last year and got the court to order the government to step up its climate action efforts. So I'll let you know if this case gets anywhere. And over in Paris, two of the Beltway lanes will be closed to regular traffic to reduce air pollution and increase green spaces after the 2024 Olympic Games, according to the city mayor. 
One lane will be designated for taxis, buses, carpooling, and emergency access, while the other will just be closed to plant trees. Paris has floated the idea of permanently closing the two impacted lanes by 2030 in favor for green spaces and bike lanes, but that idea has not been confirmed. Now for some climate fails. Communities in Uganda are accusing the French fossil fuel giant Total Energies and the Ugandan government for intimidating them to move out of the way of the East African crude oil pipeline's path. The communities, made up of over 24,700 people, also say they were given unfair compensation for moving. The pipeline is using compulsory purchase orders to acquire land in Uganda from 3,600 households. Now, the communities claim project developers are stepping back their promises to pay them for crop losses, giving the people thousands of dollars less than they originally said. Leaders making up over 500 of those displaced households wrote to Total and the local administrators, asking them to resolve this discrepancy and end the intimidation. An official said they will take a look at their concerns, but the community leaders already said there's a lack of transparency. Over in the UK, the Sizewell C nuclear plant project is expected to cost twice as much to taxpayers as the government estimates, and take five years longer, according to new research from the University of Greenwich's business school. The government estimates that it will cost 20 billion pounds and take 10 to 12 years to build. The government will decide on whether to approve the project in July, but this research has sparked new discourse about the validity of the country's nuclear plans. Last week, the developer EDF admitted that a different nuclear plant project, Hickley Point C, will cost an extra three billion pounds, but said consumers will not be hit by these extra costs. Let's finish off today with one more climate victory. This one back in the U.S. A new bill proposed in Congress could help homeowners prioritize buying two-way heat pumps over air conditioners. It's called the Heater Act and is sponsored by seven Democrats, including two previous presidential candidates, Amy Klobuchar and Cory Booker. Switching to a heat pump will save homeowners money while reducing emissions. The act would boost the confidence of industries to go full speed on heat pumps by covering the cost difference between heat pumps and AC units, making them more competitive. It would also get around 20 states' efforts to ban banning gas appliances because it still leaves it up to the consumer to decide. A study by Canary Media and the appliance efficiency nonprofit CLASP found that the benefits would outweigh the cost by five to eight times from a voluntary acceptance program like the Heater Act proposes. I'll let you know if this goes anywhere. And that was your climate news for Tuesday, May 24th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Becksphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day, and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.